Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm Matt, and I'm here today with Doug. How are you, Matt? I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, can't complain. Doing pretty good. Been playing some decent uh, mobile games and stuff. Uh, how about you? Been playing a couple games. Um, I, I uninstalled finally after way, way too long. Uh, Bitcoin Billionaire. <laughs> I knew. Yeah, that I got rid of it. I, I, I had to do it. Um, yeah. It happens. Well, so one th- one thing I realized, and this is sort of like a moment for me, uh, where everything just sort of clicked, and and I saw through the the clouds. Um, so the thing that they do with a game like Bitcoin Billionaire, right? Like it's constantly popping up, asking you, like, we'll get you ahead in the game if you watch an ad. Um, but the thing I realized, you know, you go through all this, and you're like, all right, fine, I'll view an ad, and you just click the X, right? Even if you get ahead, you don't get ahead. And the reason why is that as soon as you make enough money to reach the next level, right? Or, um, you make enough money to upgrade, you know, something, there's immediately a quest after that. And there's always a quest after that. And there's always some tier that you will always get up to. So even if you play like the perfect game, the, you know, the ideal perfect game, you're never getting ahead. So you never, sort of prosper in the game, you're always sort of like, oh, there's this other thing that you're just so close to being able to do, and it's like, oh, well, I have to get that. And so you spend, you know, so much time. I, I played that game for, like, almost a solid 24 hours. Not straight, but, you know. Yeah. And I realized, and it clicked, and I was like, oh, wait. Like, even if I did this perfectly, you know, and let's say I get, like, four quests in a row completed, you know, and I smashed it, there's just going to be another quest on the uh, on the end of that, right? Like, there's no point where, like, you get to do something fun. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, That's a shame. Yeah, well, I, so that realization set in, and I was like, oh, well, now there's not really anything that I'm working towards, right? Like, I'd sort of beaten all of the, the things that you can beat. And what they have in Bitcoin Billionaire, which is actually quite clever... Once you get to a certain point and you max out uh, one of one of your stats, you get to go back in time and then play a different version of the game as like a caveman. What? And yeah, it's kind of neat. And you go back in time and like instead of a quadcopter, there's like a pterodactyl that like carries little packages. It, <laughs> and it's it's sort of funny, but a what caveman I, with bitcoins. <laughs> it, it's a little bit. A little bit weird. But the thing that I realized after I played the the back-in-time version for maybe 15, 20 minutes, it's the same exact game as the first time you played through it. But all they did was they changed the text and they changed the graphics. So basically, they have two save files. They have your, like, forward-in-time save file and your back-in-time save file. And they just switch between them and they just switch the graphics and the text out. Interesting. So at the end of the day, you're just playing the same game that you just yeah, beat with exactly. different graphics. But like, what's the point then? No, there is none. Yeah. So I I gave up, and perhaps for the better. Yeah. I wonder if you beat it as a caveman if you go even further back in time. No. Okay. No. It, the game just sort of ends. <laughs> it. Um, but anyway, uh, games that I have been playing, as opposed to as opposed to games that I have not been playing, <laughs> uninstalled. <laughs> as, as opposed to games that I've uninstalled. Um, the first game is called Wrestling, uh, W-R-A-S-S-L-I-N-G, and it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, that sounds weird. (laughs) It's, it's, 
it's sort of crappy. You know, it's not like you're a triple A game or anything, but um, basically you're like this little stick man and you can move left and right and you've got an arm and you can either make your arm rotate clockwise or counterclockwise. And you're in a wrestling ring and your goal is basically to throw the other guys outside of the wrestling ring and oh not get thrown God. at yourself. This game looks so fucking fun. It's amazing. It's one of the best games of my entire life. I'm um, so glad you brought this to my attention. I'm downloading this immediately. Yeah, it's so good. Um, <laughs> and there's different like play modes. Now, the reason why I said it's crappy, there's a few bugs that I'm not pleased with. Um, and if you are the developer of wrestling and you hear this and you fix these bugs, you're my hero. So yeah, the first capsule, one, listen up. <laughs> yeah. The first thing that really frustrates me a lot is that they hide the, the back home and menu buttons on Android, but they don't full screen it so that they're not there. So like normally when you play a full screen game, it goes all the way up to the edge. But in this game, they just go into the sort of like dimly lit mode. And so instead of showing like the back button, they show just like a little dot. And so you can still hit the back button unintentionally. And so I'll be like in a really intense game of wrestling and then I'll accidentally slide my thumb over and hit the back button and (laughs) close the game. Oh no. And so that's really, really annoying. Um, And then the second bug is that once you're in a game, you can't change the mode or at least I can't figure out how to change the mode. Like there's no labels on any of the buttons and all of the buttons are just these really cryptic icons and I've sort of tapped on them a few times and like one of them, you press it and it just makes like a buzzing noise and like, that's it. It doesn't do anything else. And then one of them like opens up a share thing, but it doesn't tell you what it's going to share. And then another one's just like restart. And it's like, oh, well, I want to change the mode or I want to change... like, there's all sorts of stuff and I don't really know how to do that. So like a menu would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it, it, I've, I've played for like three or four hours now and it's just stupid, mindless fun. Uh, great if you're going to be on like a plane or um, on a bus or really any form of transportation. It's it's on point. Nice. Yeah, that one seems like a lot of fun. And those are valid complaints. I hope they address them down the line. Yeah. And from like a development perspective, I don't think any of them are particularly hard. Maybe like adding a menu would be the most effort. But like hiding yeah. the buttons and making it properly full screen, it, it can't be more than 15, 20 lines of code. So yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you. Yeah. It's easy stuff. Well, um, one mobile game I downloaded not that long ago is Pac-Man 256. You ever hear of it? I it's, haven't. It's actually by the same creators of that game you mentioned a few episodes. Well, actually, plenty of episodes ago. Uh, Crossy Road, I think you brought up. Uh, the same developers made Pac-Man 256. And I don't really know how they got away with the rights of uh, developing a Pac-Man game. But the difference is it's like an infinite Pac-Man game where... It's just the, the animations are way crazy. It's just, uh, super ridiculous. Like, so for instance, as you go, tra- uh, traverse through the map, which is like way different than a typical Pac-Man uh, level, uh, this glitchy, like, it looks like the matrix is kind of like overtaking the entire map and you have to oh, like wow. run away from it. So Look it's basically, that. you have to run from the glitch as there's ghosts that you have to uh, avoid as typical oh, Pac-Man is. I but see. the idea is it's an end, like an endless runner in the sense of endless Pac-Man, and there is no real end. It's just you building up a giant high score. It's really fucking cool, actually. That's really neat. I'm going to install that right now. I, I highly recommend you'll have a lot of fun. 
Actually, and there's like different. Hmm. There's definitely different uh, aspects to it than your typical Pac-Man. So there's lots of uh, new and exciting things. It looks it looks incredible, and the graphics look really good. I got nervous when I when I googled it because it looked like um, the artwork out of the movie Pixels. And oh, I was God, like, right? I don't want any Adam Sandler on my phone. I don't oh, want me any neither. of that. <laughs> That's what I mean. I don't know how they got away with, uh, I don't know, the, the rights to getting Pac-Man and being able to do this, but they did, well, and it I, looks really cool. And it's made by... Um, Bandai Namco? Bandai Namco. Yeah, don't they own the the rights to Pac-Man? Bandai Namco, yeah, that's, I guess so, but that's what I mean. If It also says, though, from the creators of Crossy Road, I'm like, Crossy Road wasn't made by Bandai Namco. They probably um, contracted it, like, ah, Namco is probably like, oh, let's contact these guys and do something with the game. Um, yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense then. Okay, so they did, it's, it's all legit? Yeah, no, this is really cool. I will try it out. Cool, and then another one I just saw in the news, uh... They're bringing Zoom beanies <laughs> to uh, mobile. Do you re- recall Zoom beanies at all? It, I, I vaguely remember it. It wasn't it like an old DOS game back it, in the I, day. It was just yeah, old PC. Uh, like the premise was there's like hundreds of different types of Zoom beanies, and all of them had like a partner that was like a there's a pair of them, and you could create like different faces on these little blue, like, round creatures and, like, give them different, like, I don't know, eyes, noses, hairdos, shoes, all this different, like, features to them. And then you'd make a group of them and then sail them off on this journey. And on the journey, you'd, like, basically run into different math problems and, like, other different scenarios where you'd have to do lots of problem-solving skills. And it was actually a good uh kind of educational learning game that was also, like, really just, like, fun. And you get through the journey and you get all your Zumbinis to Zumbiniville and you do it all over again and you have to create until there's no more Zumbinis left. You have to make all the variants and then get all the Zumbinis to Zumbiniville. And personally, as a kid, I played the shit out of that game. It was so goddamn fun. I knew they made a sequel, but I didn't really get into that at all. But like the original, I, I just could play it forever. But I feel now if I go back to it, I'd be like, wow, this is a little kiddish. But at the time, it was perfect. So, and then bringing it to mobile, you can bet your ass I'm going to be playing that. Uh, it's quarter, th- quarter three of 2015. So I'm ready. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, I, I was very fond of the uh, jumpstart games. Remember those? Oh, yeah. I recall. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, jumpstart third grade was the best jumpstart game in the entire world. I'm going to go back and play that. I was like, 18 or 19 and then I did and I was really disappointed. So just a word of warning. Yeah. Um, you know, you might not be as excited. <laughs> I just remember a few things like um uh, making certain pizzas for these like tree stumps and stuff. Hopefully if any of the listeners if that makes anything any sense to them that's awesome, but I don't know. I- I'm looking forward to revisiting that, but and another one. Now this is like the Omega news when it comes to mobile games on the horizon. It's actually not coming out until sometime 2016. That's how vague they've put it. But Nintendo is creating Pokemon Go uh, for Apple and Android devices. Now, did you see the trailer for this? I didn't see the trailer for this. Okay, let me just put this link in our discussion. But what, after, like, I... I was just already sold at the point, like, they're making a Pokemon game for mobile, I'm sold, like, I'm ready. But it's more than just that. It's like an augmented reality game where, like, you actually go out 
in the world as like the real world and f- discover Pokemon. And like you could, I guess you look through your phone and you'll see like a virtual reality Pokemon, like I guess through your camera or something. But regardless, it just looks so ridiculous. And the way they presented it through this trailer, it's just like everyone who ever did have any kind of dream of growing up to become a Pokemon master. This just like makes every makes you shiver from head to toe like you get goosebumps it is so fucking epic and the climax of the trailer it is uh there's like a huge audience of people like that have to take down Mewtwo it is ridiculous it is so fucking cool and anyone who loves Pokemon should be really excited for that I'm I'm watching the trailer now and this is Okay take your time and yeah it's it's I want your full re- reaction cuz like the ending is just like I got chills it was and I didn't expect it either. I was like, oh, uh, what's this all about? What the heck? It It's almost reminiscent of the Microsoft... Uh, what was that? HoloLens? V- yes, exactly. It was a, a similar kind of advertisement in the sense that it's like, yeah, this augmented reality. What am I watching? <laughs> a Pokemon game that is coming to our devices. Yeah, I so but I, I don't under- How do you actually play this? I don't understand that either yet. I don't think it's going to be like that. Like, see, they're, they're over dramatizing. Oh, no, there's a Snorlax on the bridge. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Cause I'm, oh, it does seem like some of the things they're trying to accomplish are going to be impossible. Like, especially yeah, when the Pokemon there, falls into water. A, yeah. There's definitely a little bit of embellishment here. Yes. But what, how do they do this? I'm eager to learn more. As of right now, it's so uh, in development, and this is all we have is this trailer. I mean, the trailer is clearly very high budget. Yeah, very polished. It's extremely polished. Are you at the Me Too part yet? I am. Oh I am at the Me Too part. Uh, yes. What? It's Where so good. It's like running? it's like better than any Pokemon movie. Oh, ever. I see. It's the it's the bracelet. Yes, yes. Oh, I get it. And you can it. catch them. I get it, I get it, I get it. Okay, please explain a little then. Okay, hold on. Let me finish this trailer. Sure. I don't really understand, like... I, well, I don't know if they understand all of the mechanics of this. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay, for instance, all I have to say is, at one point in the trailer, I notice a Pokemon falls into the water, and you vis- visually see, like, a splash animation, and I'm thinking to myself, if you're looking through your phone, through so, the camera, is I'll it going to register sounds like that? To me. Have you ever played the game Ingress? No. So, Ingress is a game that was sort of made by Google, um, is made by a company called Niantic Labs, but it's like part of Google, but not. Anyway, basically, this company made this game, and it's augmented reality, and um, a lot of people play it. Like, I have a friend that I I don't know if he still plays it or not, but he he's been playing it for like literally years now, and it's sort of augmented reality, and you have to like actually physically go places and do things to accomplish things in the game. It's oh, wow. really interesting. I'm imagining that they're probably going to borrow a lot of concepts from that because Ingress has been so successful. Um, one thing I highly doubt is that this Pokemon game is going to be as augmented reality as they make it seem. <laughs> sure. I, I can almost guarantee you that it probably won't have any augmented reality component at all. 
if it has augmented reality, it's going to be really, really basic. And the reason why is fundamentally your phone doesn't know what's around you, right? Like with today's technology, your phone doesn't know like, oh, there's somebody standing there. It just knows that there's like a person, right? And you can do things with certain algorithms to like over time detect motion and then be able to sort of infer depth. Um, and so some apps will do this with augmented reality. And like, as you walk around, it can like create a 3d picture of a room or something, but you can't just like whip your phone out of your pocket and have it be able to like do things in 3d, uh, very, very well. That's just not a thing that we can have. Google's working on stuff. I forget what the name of the project is, but they've been developing technology to do that but it's still not ready and it's not in cell phones. So what this looks like to me is it's going to be some sort of augmented reality game where you're able to go around and use your phone to physically visit places um, in order to capture Pokemon. Um, It comes with this bracelet looking thing. It looks like a Google maps marker, um, like the little, the little, pink push pin. Yeah. Um, well, it actually says, uh, I think it was like, uh, found, uh, through a collaboration between Niantic incorporated founded by Google earth co-creator, John Hank. Yeah. So they, the, the, somebody involved with Google earth is involved in this project. Oh, so it is. So I can almost guarantee you based on that. Yeah. So it, it says that it's being developed by Niantic labs. Um, I can almost guarantee that this is a Pokemon adaption, uh, of ingress. So, yeah, um, that's exciting. Yeah, uh, definitely. The, I'm the, gonna be getting a one of these bracelets and playing once I get a chance. So the thing about the bracelet, and th- this is something that you have to bear in mind, it's probably not going to do a whole heck of a lot. It seems like you press it to capture a Pokemon, so it's very uh, yeah, situational. So I can't imagine that it won't have an accelerometer because otherwise, why would they put it on a bracelet? They just do it on your phone, right? Um, so it has a bracelet. It has this little LED to sort of tell you when something's happening. I bet that they probably also have an Android Wear app because why wouldn't you? Um, but I, I can't imagine that the, the device would do a lot. It says that it has vibration. And the thing about vibration is that you need a pretty hefty battery to do it, right? Actually making something move takes a lot of power. So if that's the case, then this thing isn't going to be, um, some sort of like wearable that you're, you're, you know, going to put on and it's going to do a million things. It's probably only going to do one or two things. It's probably just going to be some sort of alert. Maybe you'll use it to interact with the game with a, a gesture of some sort. Um, there's some gestures in the video, but it's hard to tell what's gestures and what's just actors being paid 50 bucks uh, <laughs> to, to stand around and pretend like they're playing a Pokemon game exactly. in front of a green screen. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to actually see what the net result is. Like I said, it's not, I, I highly, highly doubt that it's going to be an augmented reality experience that looks like what's in the video. Um, and I, I hate to like burst anybody's bubble on that one, but no, I mean, I the technology just to be isn't realistic. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I also think I'm not expecting it to be free and they're just going to make Buku dollars as all Pokemon things do. Yeah, the other thing that I wouldn't hold my I, I wouldn't hold my breath for this game. Um, Ingress took a very long time to come out of private beta. Um, it was originally released in late 2012, and it didn't go into open beta for almost a year. And then it didn't 
actually become a production game um, until the end of 2013. So it's probably more than likely that this game is a few years off at best. So, yeah, I hear you. Well, um, another game that probably nobody wants, and I don't even understand how it's a game, but it's coming to Android in quarter four of 2015, uh, Katy Perry, the game. I beg your pardon. <laughs> that's what I, that's my reaction. Why is that a thing? And it's coming to our Android devices at the end of this year. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, what I mean. Like, well, that's what, how I always felt as a kid when I'd like go to Walmart or like GameStop and look in the case and see the newest and latest uh, Nintendo DS games, and there'd be something like Neopets or something. I'm like, how is that actually a game? Like, I never played one, but I just assume it's just like you fucking virtually pet the dog, take it out, it poops, and you feed it. It's just like the same thing as... uh, Are uh, you suggesting that they're making like a Tamagotchi version of Katy Perry? That's what... And you have to like go and sing and poop and get That's exactly. Hopefully that's that's what that game is. The worst possible version of that concept. (laughs) I can't think of a better one. (laughs) I, I think a Neopets for Katy Perry might be interesting, where you like breed your own Katy Perry and then like make your Katy Perry fight against other people's Katy Perry's. And then like, you have oh, so like little Pokemon mini games now. where you're the left shark. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it would be exciting. I think that would be incredible. You could like open up a Katy Perry shop and have Katy Perry items and go on Katy Perry quests. God damn it. Well, ho- hopefully, I don't know. We'll see I- if this game <laughs> even comes out. I'm definitely going to download it just to play it and be like, I'll let the listeners know. But I mean, I here's the thing. Like it bullshit. is definitely going to come out. This game is absolutely going to become a reality. And here's why. Katy Perry has a lot of money. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, well, this is all it says about the game. Usually a game will have, like, some kind of description about, like, oh, what you can expect this game to be about and, like, what you're getting into. Nope, this just says... Featuring Katy Perry's voice, likeness, and personality, the game will introduce players to a digital playground of global success and talent. Yeah, so basically it's going to be like a dating sim without the dating. <laughs> yeah, a it's, sim of being Katy Perry. So It's I hope not going to be fun. It's not going to be a fun game, but I think regardless of what happens, somebody needs to create a parody version of it. So as soon as this comes out, I am just going to be all... Oh, wait, it. we should do that. Katy Parody I mean, the game. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. Um, um, but yeah, so I, I didn't even really want to bring that up, but I did just because it's too goofy not to. But one that I am excited for is Rayman Adventures coming to Android. I love the original Rayman game. Uh, that should be fun. Did you ever play those? Um, I played uh, Raving Rabbids TV Party <laughs> in I college. Just, oh, man. That's Do you remember cool, that? Do you remember yeah. me having those parties in my room? I vaguely do, yes. It was it was really dumb, but um, basically it was like the Mario Party equivalent of a exactly. Rayman game. Yeah. Um, and oh my god, it was so good. The only two good mini games in it, there was a dancing one, and then there was like a, a rock band mini game. And they were both really terrible, but also hilarious. And I would have like four or five people come over in my room, and like AJ would be so salty, and then he would like join in and start playing... Um, cause of course AJ was my roommate. Uh, and before AJ was ro- my roommate, uh, I had a roommate that was not fond of any of this. So he would leave the room. Um, which yeah. was a great way of getting him to leave if I wanted some <laughs> privacy. Rayman. Nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, you were saying. Oh, no, that I think uh, I only remember playing it on original PlayStation 1. I remember as a little kid, it was one of the first original PlayStation games I purchased, and it was in one of those giant-ass boxes. It wasn't like a, like a CD-sized case. It was like a big, bulky box, but the game was real fun. Those games had all sorts of like secrets and like hidden like things. I loved everything about it, but that should be cool to play on my Android device. I guess this is Rayman Adventures though, so it's something new and different. I never really played that version of it, so that should be interesting. One game that I've also been playing besides wrestling um, is called Skiing Yeti Mountain. Oh, it's wow. a mobile game. Um, it is very polished. And basically, you play as this little dwarf. Um, I guess you're a dwarf. I don't really know if you're a dwarf. And by dwarf, I don't mean like a, a little person. I mean like a, a man from a fantasy universe um, that's short and of the dwarven race. Um, and basically, all you have to do in this game is just ski down a mountain. And you do that by sort of holding your thumb on the screen and moving it left and right. Uh, and you basically just have to avoid trees and like avoid losing control and hitting stuff. Um, and there's no real penalty for screwing up. You just have to sort of start over. So it's, it's a great sort of mindless time wasting game. I've been playing it for a while. It's cheap. Um, I think, I actually think it's free. I think it's free and, um, you can pay, I think, $3 to get rid of ads. Um, and the nice thing about the ads is that it only shows you at most one ad per level. Um, so it's not like every time you do a run, it shows you an ad. So that's very nice. It's, it's very well made. Uh, half of the profits go to, um, some, some charity to support. I shouldn't even mention if I don't know what the charity is. <laughs> but no, that's, at least a charity, that's really good. Um, yeah, and there's sort of like a, a side plot as well to it, so it's not just like you screwing around. Yeah, I was just going to ask, um, what is the name has Yeti involved, is there anything to do with a Yeti in the game? Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. Oh, goddammit, because just the, the sound of this game, the title and everything, uh, takes me back to the 90s. Uh, that game, Ski Free, do you recall it? It was ski-free, and it was just the worst little graphics. You just basically, the all you did was use your arrow keys, and you go the down this mountain. is this? No, you go down this mountain. I can't believe you don't have this as a childhood memory. Everyone I've ever met no, is like, I, I used to play this. And at the bottom of the mountain, this abominable snowman comes the fuck out and just, t- just eats you alive. What? And it's like, it's the most, like upsetting thing ever you can i think you can avoid the abominable snowman if you have not played this game this is like the equivalent of like minesweeper back in the day but like the more fun version of minesweeper if you don't want to like like well minesweeper is very mathematical and like strategy driven this is no strategy at all just avoid trees avoid rocks and don't get eaten by the abominable snowman it's really fucking an old old ass game but it's really fun yeah mate copyright 1991 of Microsoft, so it's an ancient uh, classic, ski free. It Holy sounds crap. This looks amazing. It's fu- it's a phenomenal game. It's really a uh, simple mechanic, but it's really fun. I'm I'm really impressed by this. Yeah, I played the shit out of the that graphics when I was are a so kid. terrible. 
Yeah. Like, even, <laughs> but, even for 1991. <laughs> like, there's no excuse. This is literally made in Microsoft Paint. Literally <laughs> designed and built in Microsoft Paint. I'm just literally, I can't believe you've never seen or played this. That's fantastic. How has this just breezed? This is something that the Press Continue podcast should do in one of their little Press Continue minis. Yes, exactly. Oh, I agree. And the reason I know of it, because it was on my uh, grandparents' computer for the longest time growing up. So, You know, I'll tell you what. Press Continue made a big mistake calling their little mini episodes Press Continue minis. They should have called them Tap Continues. What? <laughs> yeah. Instead of press continue, call it tap continue. So it's just a little shorter. Cause you, yeah. Or like flick continue. They can I use just that. think it's funny that they're. If you guys uh, are listening. Their abbreviation is PCP. That's just hilarious. I love it. Um, also, all right. One more thing in the mobile realm, and then maybe we can move on to something else. Uh, roller toast, uh, roller toaster. Yeah, exactly. Roller toaster. Uh, roller toaster coaster. <laughs> no, uh, roller coaster tycoon three, uh, finally made its way over to iPhone and, and iPad. So that's exciting. That's like a step in the right direction. Cause I don't think any of those games are available on mobile or tablets really just yet. So that's exciting, but I want it for Android. Fuck Apple. So we'll see if it ever that's makes little, it. You're a little, little angry about that. A little yeah, angry just, about Android. Oh, wait, no, not angry. Angry about I, I, iOS. Yes, I guess I would say. I just, I'm, I think most of our listeners know I'm anti-Apple, but it's not like... You don't want one you, of those beautiful new iPad Pros? No, and I don't want the TV or the, yeah, the iPad Pro. That's, it's literally, they're copying off of the Microsoft Surface Pro to a T. And it's just like, I don't know. It's funny because I heard different people like debating about it being like, oh, well, Apple's always the one who's innovative and now they're copying Microsoft. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really interested. I'm not interested in any sort of like, uh, very high end tablets just because like you don't really need a high end. Ta- like, what are you going to do? You know? Well, I love my Surface Pro for like, I think. It's- well, I mean, for what it's worth, a Surface Pro runs the full version of Windows, right? Like, an iPad Pro doesn't run OS X, it runs iOS. So, uh, I mean, the thing is, like, right now, all iOS apps are built to run on all existing iPads, right? So, obviously, you need to get an app that's specifically designed for the iPad Pro. But, I mean, at that point, wh- where are you going to be? What are you doing? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm finding it hard to see the use case for it, especially for $800. Like at that point, just buy a MacBook. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, I think if it's running iOS, it's just like a bigger phone. It's like, I don't know. It's stupid, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I it almost seems like Apple's realizing that Microsoft made a really good choice by um, pivoting windows to be more uh, mobile and touch focused. And I don't think OS X is really in a position to be able to do that. So if um, if that's what Apple's thinking, then they're probably trying to get iOS to sort of expand out to fill the, a lot of the roles that OS X previously filled so that they can start to phase OS X out and, and sort of have a roadmap for the future. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's I might be full of shit. No, I think that makes perfect sense to me, realistically. Um, but... I don't know. I love my Surface Pro, and I think it's funny that Apple's floundering to try to create a copy. Fair. We'll see. I don't really give a shit about their thing. Well, I want to know if our listeners end up investing in one, if they like it or not, but we'll see. 
Is there anything you want to bring up? I have one more thing to touch on, but that's about all. Uh, I could talk about Pinecast a little bit. We've been hard at work with Pinecast. Um, if you're listening to this episode, you're listening to it from Pinecast. Uh, we're in the cloud. We're on the internet. Um, lots of good stuff going on. Still refining things. Um, still working out some bugs, but there's been some good stuff. We added uh, podcast sites, which is cool. Yeah. Um, it's really exciting, actually, because it like it basically gives us like uh feature parity with Podbean, for instance, because like if you sign up for a Podbean account, you get your own whatever your podcast name is dot podbean dot com site. So you can direct users to that and they can access all your episodes that way and it will show your analytics and all of that stuff. And we've you've basically been able to do the exact same thing. With yeah. Podcast. Yeah. So it, it well I'm a, I'm a strong believer that, you know, when you build a podcast, you shouldn't need to worry about building website or, you know, maintaining all of your links or, you know, juggling eight or nine different services to be able to do, you know, simple things. You know, when we do our podcasts, you spend a ridiculous amount of time putting things on Facebook, putting things on Twitter, um, making sure that all of the comments get addressed. Um, we give out email addresses, we give out Facebook URLs and Twitter URLs, and, and just the amount of time that we spend managing all that is ridiculous. You know, if you've listened to any of the episodes of Almost Better Than Dragons and you hear my little spiel at the end, you know, I spend three or four solid minutes just giving out ways that you can get in touch, which is silly, you know, like, it should be right there, or it should be up in your face. So, We've been working on some cool features. Uh, one thing that I have been really pushing hard on is something that, uh, hard on. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've built this feature called Flare. So on every episode, you can choose to show different pieces of Flare on your episode description. So it'll automatically like put your, uh, license down there. So if you license your episodes under Creative Commons, you don't need to constantly be like going to the Creative Commons site and copying the little thing that they want you to put in your episode description. Or if you um, have a plan that supports the feedback tool that we built, um, you don't need to constantly like post it and then find the link and then put the link in the description. It just works. Uh, if you have a site on Pinecast, it'll automatically link your episode description to the site. Uh, and lots of different things. So really it's, it's just us figuring out what are the pain points, what really pisses us off about making our own podcasts and how do we make that so that we don't have to do that work anymore. Um, yeah, I definitely find that to be our biggest inspiration and what's making it, uh, such a important service because it just keeps our podcast running literally without podcasts, <laughs> this doesn't happen <laughs> yes it's been good um we've got network support uh, all up and running i'm about to land a whole bunch of changes to the way you do analytics so you can drill into your data and look at different time frames and slice and dice it oh i'm so excited for that i know uh it it takes a long time though because there's a lot of refactoring work on the back end oh sure um, but you know once it's done it's done um, and it'll be real good. It's so good. Uh, nice. Yeah, and um, AJ has been 
uh, using it for that's so kawaii. Um, Kier is going to be putting out a podcast on it. I don't know whether we announced that or not. Yeah, I was just going to say, we might as well make it all official. Uh, yeah, AJ, our co-host, if you're not aware, started his own podcast for anime discussions with uh, the frequent guest on our show, Mark Choi, and it's called That's So Kawaii. Um, we also, yeah, like Matt just said, Kier Harris, a friend of ours, is launching his podcast on the network called Life in Overdrive, but I don't have word on when that's officially launching, but I know it's really kind of soon. Yeah, and if, if you want to check out uh, TSK, it's tsk.pinecast.co, C-O, um, and you'll be able to listen to the episodes there um, and also leave feedback, uh, which is yeah. really cool. Another place to get access to those episodes is also just the Almost Better Network site, so almostbetter.net. That's another thing. We're going to have network sites soon, which is a work in progress on Pinecast, but um, network sites are hard. Yeah, (laughs) that that doesn't sound easy. But that's all exciting stuff. Uh, Wait, one thing I want you to talk about before I bring up my final real thing. Uh, This hilarious Cisco fail. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so what what the fuck is this about? It's like a network engineer's worst nightmare. Yeah. And, it, and it's on the Switch, or what's going on? Yeah, so basically, Cisco, for those of you that aren't familiar, is a company that puts out really high-end network equipment. Um, and they have other stuff, but primarily, like, when you hear about Cisco, it's wireless access points and high-performance network switches and... Um, different types of routers and all sorts of network hardware. Yeah. Um, this particular unit in question, I guess it's not in question, it's just in fail, um, <laughs> is uh, a very high-performance switch. And it's the kind of switch that you would find in a data center. Um, and by switch, I don't mean like a light switch kind of switch. It's... Um, it basically takes one network connection and splits it off into many different network connections. Uh, what's really dumb about this, and clearly nobody tested this in a real environment, you know, like they're going <laughs> through the motions. They couldn't have. No, there was no testing. There was, there was zero testing. Um, so when you buy this switch, they, it comes with a network cable, which it should because the goddamn thing costs many thousands of dollars, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the that's... network cable, you plug it into port one because that's where you plug things in, right? Like you start with port one. And on this network cable, and some of you at home may be familiar with this, normally you have um, the Ethernet connector, um, which is uh, an RJ45 jack. And it looks like... a sort of a clear plastic rectangle with a little clip on top. Yeah, the clip. Yeah, but what a lot of uh, manufacturers of cables will do is they'll put this little rubber uh, thing over the clip, like a clip on top of the clip. And the reason they do that is if you're pulling the cable, um, like you have the middle of it and you're pulling the cable through a bunch of other cables or you're pulling it through something, like a tube or whatever, um, that little plastic clip on the back of the connector can snag on something and rip it off. And so they put that little piece of rubber there so that if you're pulling it, it won't snag. And on the switch, the, uh, the piece of rubber, it's called a boot. The boot presses 
on the reset button of the switch. So when you plug <laughs> when you plug this ethernet cable that they give you into port 1, the reset button is directly where the boot would go and the boot presses the the reset button. Now that is some serious design flaw. I just don't even know how that could have possibly got pushed or like anyone who's like, "Yeah, where should we put that button?" Uh, you know, right here. I mean, I obviously it's it's not a bad spot but with yeah this protective boot getting in the way it just fucks everything up how could they not have expected that yeah it <laughs> so the the other thing is that it's one of those sorts of failures that you would never think to look for right like oh exactly you know it's one of those things like if if it happened to you and you plug this in and it hits the reset button and the configuration goes away you would never know that you hit the reset button, right? Like it's it's not even on your radar. So I, that I don't is know. a fucking nightmare. And exactly. even even just like even if they didn't have the boot there, like you look at the diagram, and I'm sure you'll put the link in the description of like what yeah. the problem is, and you could see like the clip is just millimeters away from this button. Like who was like, <laughs> oh yeah, let's just put the button right there. So like. Anybody going to unplug this that might accidentally bump it? Yeah, they're going to reset the damn thing. It, I mean, it's just it. It's obvious to me that nobody actually like built one of these and then tried it out. They built it. They took pictures of it for the the marketing material. Like nobody actually put this into a rack, plugged some stuff into it, tried it out, put it through its paces. You know, gave it a month or whatever. It was just. You know, went <laughs> straight through and no, yeah, Re- really, <laughs> really disappointed. This is like Very what runs bad. the internet. And for anybody who's like, oh, I have one of those. If it's a 3650 or a 3850 series, None of our listeners have one of those. None okay. of our listeners okay. have one. <laughs> if, if you are a listener and you manage a data center, please get in touch. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, please write on the back of a Cisco. No. <laughs> yeah, but please write on the back of your recalled Cisco switch <laughs> your experience and mail it to us. Oh, Jesus. Well, and here's one more thing I found to be pretty handy, and I think you actually said you use it yourself for some of your games. Uh, Dr. Petters, uh, SE is a place where I found this tool called, uh, Sound Effects R or SF, SFXR. SFXR, yeah. Yes, it's a really cool tool to be able to create your own little kind of chiptune-y basic, uh, video game sound effects. Uh, do you want to talk about it since you have actual experience with it? Yeah, I, I can give a, a, a brief overview. So basically this tool, uh, it is what's effectively a synthesizer. Um, the idea is that it makes it super easy to make sound effects for video games. So if you think back to the days of like NES, super NES, you have very limited space on your cartridge and it doesn't make sense to store sound files. Like you won't open up uh, a super NES cartridge and find like, wave files or mp3 files like that just doesn't exist and the yeah. reason why is just first off they're too large and second off it's really wasteful fundamentally like the sound of super mario collecting a coin on these old systems is just uh, a formula right like you plug in a bunch of variables into this formula and then it spits out uh, a waveform and so Assuming you have the same set of variables, all you need to do is store maybe like 10 or 15 numbers 
and you've got a sound. So this is a tool for creating those sounds. And this version is a desktop app, um, but there's also web-based versions that you can actually play with in your browser. Let me see if I can... Oh, cool. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Well, so here's one. Somebody ported it to Flash. Uh, I'll post this in Show Topics. Um, and then there's also a HTML5 one called BFXR. Okay. Um, both of them effectively do the same thing. But what's really cool is that if you are someone like a game designer or um, you make stuff or whatever, you can go in and very quickly generate sound effects with relative ease for your game. And implementing it is stupidly simple. Like, you just download some JavaScript module or Flash module that can play uh, the, the formulas that this thing creates, and you get sound. So I've used this in a few of my silly little games. Um, the one that comes to mind is Superior Marco Cousins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the, the link to this so that you can play it. Sweet. Um, but yeah, uh, literally all three of these look pretty much... Well, the th- two of them look identical, but then the other one looks very similar in style. So any of these tools, if you're trying to make sound effects for your games, like this is, we have like three awesome links for you guys. Yeah, uh, lots of really cool stuff there. Um, I should probably go through and find some of the other tools I've used for making video games and post them. Totally. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, but yeah, that was something I thought I'd at least bring to our listeners' attention. And uh, I don't know, I have one final thing that I, I can contribute tonight. Uh, there's this, this Kickstarter I found. There's only like 12 days left. It's called Music to Die Alone in Space 2. And the reason I even know about this is because, but randomly, the guy who founded it, Bill Bolden, uh, followed us on Twitter. And I, I followed him back and I saw that, like, what he does and it, and it directed me to this Kickstarter. And there's 12 days left. Uh, it's, the idea is it's an electronic album that tells a story about a marooned astronaut. Um, that is going to die. And basically they're, they're tethered from their spaceship and there's no way back that, that they can f- physically survive this. So they're out in space and they're going to die and they're running out of oxygen. And this is those final, like that final hour of life and all the thoughts that are going through their head. And, but the interesting about thing about this album is it's not just like, uh, typical electronic music. It's procedurally generated so that everyone who backs this and gets a copy of the album, their album's going to be completely tailored and unique to the, to them. So there's different, different sounds and, uh, algorithms. So like, for instance, certain people will have effects happening on the left pan of the audio and others will have it on the right and then different sound effects the way it all like works it's going to be like a completely different experience every time for everyone who backs it so that's a really cool aspect of it and another thing is there's some like a amount of like commentary that i'm aware of that like progresses the story of like you being this astronaut who's dying and if i'm not mistaken they tailor it to like your, your uh, ethnical background and language so if you're from another country and speak another language, they'll have a voice actor that it would basically be like someone that you'd relate to. So it's all really tailored to the person 
uh, backing the project. And it sounds like something I'd be really interested in just because the premise of being lost in space and floating in space and being like, Oh, what music would that represent that like despair? It's always actually been something I've been curious about. So the fact that someone's delving into that, I'm really excited. But for until I knew about this for the longest time, my ex, like what I thought, if you were just floating in space forever, what music would you hear? It would be the band God is an astronaut because they are just like the most awesome instrumental post rock you could ever imagine it's like and yeah god is an astronaut is the band name so that pretty much put, is like hitting the nail on the head but uh check out music to die alone in space too i don't know if this will air in time for you guys to back it or not but regardless it's a really cool project that i thought i'd at least bring to you guys to your ear holes yeah it sounds really cool go check it out yeah but um is there anything else you want to talk about matt oh boy um I took I took this past week off. Um, I had a little time off for a change, and and it was so relaxing. Relaxing. If you guys, nice. if you guys um, have the opportunity to take a week off, take a week off. It's okay, so we're doing stuff. a words of the week right now. All right, words uh, of the week. Take a week <laughs> off. Nice. <laughs> and my words of the week, I have no words. So I guess we should end the episode. But, um, listener, if you enjoy our show, please let us know what you think of it. Uh, give us a rating or review on iTunes. That'd be fantastic. It helps us more than you realize. And we also have Facebook and Twitter. If you haven't already given us a like or a follow, we'd really appreciate it. I personally am streaming every Tuesday, Thursday on Twitch, uh, at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, currently playing Axiom Verge. I'm really getting close to the end. A lot of backtracking and bullshit, but hopefully I'll be finishing that soon and moving on to Ori in the Blind Forest. But um, how can uh, listeners reach you, Matt? Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can go to at Matt Basta on Twitter um, and read all my real salty tweets. Um, <laughs> I'm I, Bren posted uh, a Steam game called TIS 100 in uh, Slack the other day. Yeah, I saw it. Oh my god, it looks so good. Um, oh no, it doesn't. It looks amazing. <laughs> I purposely avoided it. <laughs> Basically, but no, you, go ahead and you bring have it up. To, you have to program uh, this computer in the game with uh, assembly. Um, oh my god. And th- I guess there's like a story to it, and so it's not just like mind-numbing assembly programming. Um, yeah, it's an actual game. It's not. Like, yeah, it, work. it is like actually a thing that you can actually play, and it's not just like Visual Studio um, yeah, rebranded. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I might also jump on either Twitch or, or YouTube or something, and and take it for a spin and get Uh-oh. real salty on the internet. Well, definitely, you're welcome to hop on our Twitch channel. We we uh definitely are trying to get more active in that scene. But um, yeah, guys, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. We'll see you next week.